Welcome to the Intentional Parents Podcast. Intentional exists to help parents in their God-given task to raise passionate Jesus followers. We exist to bring hope, help, and healing to families. Each week, we will talk about anything from parenting, marriage, lifestyle, and what it looks like to follow Jesus in our time. Intentional is made up of Phil and Diane Comer and Brooke and Elizabeth Moser. I am Brooke, and the funny thing is, we are all family. Elizabeth is Phil and Diane's daughter, so we're a family figuring this thing out together. We hope this podcast feels like you're sitting with us in our home talking about how to do this thing called life together. Elizabeth and I are your hosts. Let's get into this week's podcast. All right. Welcome back to the Intentional Parents Podcast. Mm -hmm. I'm here with Elizabeth and Phil and Diane. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hello, Brooke. Uh, well, we are, um, we're sitting down today and just want to say thank you to everybody who has rated to this, the podcast and subscribed and left a comment. And if you haven't had a chance to do that, would you even just take a couple minutes or even just 15, 20 seconds to rate the podcast? Let us know how you're experiencing it. It's very helpful. And thank you for all that have done that. Um, today we want to talk about something that I think we all have experienced. And that is why is family, especially as you become an adult, and especially as you get married, why is family or does family sometimes feel like the hardest relationships that we have? Mm-hmm. Anyone mm-hmm. at this table know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you're talking mm-hmm. about extended family. Yes. Yeah. Well, this I'm going to use this opportunity to talk to you both, Phil and Diane, and tell you how much, <laughs> <laughs> how much frustration. A what a pain we are, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted to do it here so you'd be forced to talk yeah. about it. Yeah. It's an intervention of types. Going to confront us publicly. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, so, but, but it's true. And I think it, it, there's a lot of, um, people that experience this and I know we get questions, honestly, I, even recently I've gotten a handful of questions just personally of how do we, how do you engage with family members that either they say they believe, but they actually operate in their faith differently than you do. Mm-hmm. Meaning they maybe don't hold the same values or they say they're Jesus followers, but live a very different life than you. Um, and so I, I was actually in my own personal reading. I, w- I came across Matthew 10, 34, which is a very interesting verse. And I read it in a couple different translations. But the one that stuck out to me the most uh, was Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the Bible called The Message. And it, I'll just read it really quick. And then I, I hope, Phil, you're going to read it in a different translation. But this is the one that stuck out to me. It's don't think I've come to make life cozy. I've come to cut, make a sharp knife cut between sun and and father, daughter and mother, bride and mother-in-law. <laughs> so everyone's struggling with the mother-in-law. Uh, cut through these cozy domestic arrangements and free you for God. Well-meaning family members can be the worst enemies. If you prefer father or mother over me, you don't deserve me. If you prefer son or daughter over me, you don't deserve me. Matthew 10, 34 through 37 in the message. So I was just doing my own personal reading and I was like, oh my goodness, Jesus was onto something. The scriptures are onto something. We don't need to be so surprised that family relationships can be so hard. It it made sense to me for the first time of like, this this makes sense. I was just talking to a woman a couple days ago who has kind of an estranged relationship with her brother and not for lack of her own effort and trying and trying over and over again, but they really haven't talked for a year. And- I was just struck again. I I shouldn't be so surprised by this now, but you know, here I am like raising our own kids and their sibling relationships. They're doing 
everything together every day. Mm-hmm. And yet how often do you hear of sibling relationships mm-hmm. where they're not talking or they're like distant, distant relatives, like just mm-hmm. have nothing in common, don't really mm-hmm. know what's happening in each other's lives, which feels so strange to me because yeah. those seem like yeah. those should be the people that we're closest to mm-hmm. get, having spent so much time with. Mm-hmm. And yet it's so ob- most of the time, not the case. Yeah, I I totally agree and I can relate and mm-hmm. and we I can see with my own kids because we're always trying to get them to get along and connect. Mm-hmm. So, But Phil, I would love for you to share. Yeah. I know you had a story that you mentioned, which I'd love for you to share. And then also this verse, because I think it's very helpful with us understanding what's going on. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I think it's always good to take a scripture in context. Yes. And um, if you go two verses before, you started in... Uh, 34. Verse 34, I think. But if you go back to 32, Jesus said, Everyone, therefore, who shall confess me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. In other words, if you put place your trust in me, I'm going to tell my Father this is one of mine. But whoever shall deny me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. So he's talking about allegiance. Mm-hmm. Like, if if are you allegiant to me or not? Because he's king and he is Lord, and he came to to be king and Lord. That's why to mm-hmm. receive Christ as Savior. In Romans it says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, mm-hmm. and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So then he said, do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. Now this is interesting because he's called the Prince of Peace. Mm. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. What he's saying, he's not saying, I came to stab you. Yeah. you know, he, he came to forgive our sins, but he but the gospel cuts because yes. it demands allegiance. Mm. And it takes humility and coming to him like a child to follow him. And so um, if, if I'm a follower of Jesus and my parents are not, then mm. they don't know the Lord yet. I mean, there's a whole, whole swath of... Um, uh, things that are going on there are they are they adamantly against Christ and like you know they they want to argue about it or they don't want you talking about it or they just they think they're Christians but they're not really mm-hmm. living like it they're living like the way they want to live whatever so then he says for I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's enemies will be the members of his own household so he wasn't he wasn't saying I really came to mess up your family no, no, <laughs> no, no he no. said yeah. When I come into a person's life and I'm first place, there's going to be fallout and fruit, you know? Mm-hmm. And so Good, then sure. he went on. That's what he's saying. And by the way, he's quoting. I noticed it's a quote of Old Testament. I didn't know this till right now when you said, let's talk about it. It's a quote. He's quoting Micah 7, 6. Oh, I didn't know that. Which says, um, well, see, in, in my version I'm reading, it makes it really simple. Whenever it's an Old Testament quote, it goes on all caps. I go, oh, yeah. it's an Old Testament quote. Micah 7, 6, for son treats, by the way, in, in Micah 7, 6, it's saying the godly person has perished from the land. That sounds like America mm. to me. Concerning evil, both hands do it well. <laughs> That sounds like America to me. Then he goes down, and Micah says, For son treats father contemptuously, daughter rises up against her mother, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, a man's enemies are the men of his own household. So Jesus quoting uh, the Old Testament here, and he's, he's basically saying, I'm here now, and I came as the Prince of Peace, but also I'm here, I'm the Messiah, and... And following me is going to bring consequences in your family based on those who decide to be a legion who don't. Then he said, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me 
is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He's found his, who has found his life shall lose it. He who has lost his life for my sake shall, re- shall find it. He who receives you receives me. So, so I just think it's so beautiful here. He's, his, he, he's compassionate in his heart. is follow me and I will bless your life and bless your relationships. But not everybody's going to follow me. And so, yeah. so you following me is going to bring sometimes a sword. So before yeah. you share the story about Matthew, I just yeah. want to highlight something that you said that I think we all experience. When you end up walking with Jesus mm-hmm. in a true way and where you're actually his mm-hmm. disciple, because there's another part in Luke 14 mm-hmm. when it when it when he makes the statement, you must hate our father and mother. He's not mm-hmm. talking. He's, no. he, it's it's another comparison. reference to this. It's another reference to this verse. So if you're confusing the two, but the idea that you have to be willing to give up everything for Jesus yeah. and that when you do... There is like we feel this in our families. We mm-hmm. feel it, especially if maybe a husband and wife decide we're going to do this, and maybe one side of the family goes, "Yep, we are with you," and then the other side of the family goes, "We're not with you either because we don't follow and value Jesus, or because actually we follow Jesus, but we do it in our way in in kind of maybe um, different terms. They don't operate in the same way." And mm-hmm. it creates tons of tension, tons and tons and tons and tons of tension. So I just want to acknowledge that really fast, mm-hmm. that yeah. we mm-hmm. that's that's what we're experiencing and talking about. And then, Phil, Diane, did you have something? I didn't want to cut you off. No, no. I'm going to share it, friend, at the point. Oh, got it. She's yeah, gonna, I, love that you quoted, I love that you quoted um, Luke. Luke 14, because this is Luke's account of the same thing. And, exactly. and when I read that, like, hate, like, does he want me to hate my parents? So let me just read that one verse. That's yeah. Luke 14, 26. Thanks for bringing that up. If anyone comes to me, and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children, babe. I don't hate you. Don't <laughs> and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Yes. So you is. know, right here in my Bible, in the in the margin where the Greek scholars wanted to make sure we didn't misunderstand this, they put by comparison of his love for me. Mm. In other yeah. words, if your love for me is not above even your love for your wife and it's because that's where blessing flows okay you know praise god from whom all blessings Mm -hmm. flow is Mm -hmm. the song you know praise Mm -hmm. him all creatures here below so it's like when we put him first then he makes all things new Mm -hmm. and so he's saying you he goes i'm i'm demanding that you love me more than anyone and and Go ahead, babe. Well, I just like that the message had a little phrase in there Mm -hmm. that just really keeps standing out to me because you almost repeat it in your own paraphrase. Um, The purpose is to free you for God. There you go. It's it's not to turn you judgmental and cold and cruel and self-righteous. It's to actually free you from God. So these are incidences where you are being so wrapped up in your love and honor of your wife or your children your parents that you are actually your freedom is for god and in god is being restricted yeah and so you know anything that we love more than the lord himself is what the bible calls an idol and so and it's interesting in that towards the end of the bible right for revelation first second third john you know one of them ends as i can't remember it's it's second john i think little children guard yourself from idols and that's the age of the apostle John. Here he's nine. Oh, it's it's uh, it's First John five, the last verse of First John. Little, this is John. He's like ninety something years old. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. Yeah. So we have to watch this. And so yeah. So you said the Matthew story. Yes. yes. So when when we were living in Medford, Oregon, and Matthew was eight years old, um, suddenly he's in a hospital, hmm. hooked up to tubes, and um, 
he's diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, which I knew nothing about. Hmm. I mean, I had one friend when I was a kid who had diabetes, and all we knew was, you know, he couldn't eat cookies, you know? It's like, and I didn't know anything about the disease. And so I'm just, my first thought is, oh, so you're going to you're gonna heal him, right? What's the medicine? And then they said, no, there's no cure for this. And I very quickly saw the reality that he could die from this, that if his blood sugar went too mm-hmm. high, he could go into diabetic coma. If it went too low, he could pass out. And I, I was falling apart. I was crying. Diane was like a rock, you mm-hmm. know, and I've said this before about women are amazing. Mothers yes, are amazing. I so agree. They have, they have this kind of, you know, strength, strength that I yes. think men don't necessarily have. And I didn't have it in that moment. And so all I knew was I want, I want him healed. I want him healed. So we called the church that we were part of. And uh, they sent one of the pastors out, Jim Wright. And I've talked to Jim recently. And every time I talk to him, I go, I will never forget the moment you came into that that room. Because he came in, he brought a little toy to Matthew. He prayed over him. And then when he was walking out the door, he looked at me and he said, this is for you too. And he left. And and some people would say like, <laughs> what's that great. mean? But in an instant, I knew what it was. It wasn't... It wasn't that God did this to teach me something, but that God was going to use this in my life to teach me something. And what I immediately knew in my spirit, see, Matthew's our fourth child. You know, Mm. he's the baby of the family. And I like to say he's the child of my old age. You know, if you have Abraham, (laughs) loved, (laughs) he loved Joseph. You were what, 58 when he was born? No, (laughs) no, I was 41, 41. I was, you know, I was 29 when Jamark was born. Yep, yep. You know, we had three and then we waited, you know, after we weren't going to have any more and then. Diane, after five years, goes, I want another one, you know, and I'm going like, I'm 40, you know, (laughs) but anyway, so, uh, you know, Abraham, it was, it was the baby of the family, you know, that he loved Joseph, you know, and and I'm not, I I didn't play favorites with Matthew, but I, Matthew, who could not love Matthew with his big blue eyes, he woke up every day, where's everybody, what are we doing, you know, and Rebecca says, Mom and dad, you practice on the first three of us and Matthew's your masterpiece. So like, so he's like, when he's four or five and six, I'm just having a blast doing errands with him. You know, Scarlett, my granddaughter now, she was my errand girl now. She still is. But I was just loving him. I love taking him everywhere and being with him and being in his presence. And, and I, and I think I was so stricken in that moment because I, I I think I was loving, I I knew in my heart, do I love the Lord like this? Hmm. No. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not approaching the scriptures that way in the morning. Mm. I'm not talking to God like that during the morning. I'm not saying, Lord, let's go on a walk. And I felt like mm. Jim said a prophetic word to me in that moment that God is going to use this in your life, just not for God to punish you, mm. but to remind you, Hey, Phil, even Matthew's become a bit of an idol in your life. You need wow. to give him to me. He belongs to me. Yeah. And so I think that that's what I wanted to pass on. I think that's what Jesus means here. Like, and he's not demanding allegiance to punish us, but so that blessing might flow. And I don't think you were supposed to love Matthew any less. No. It was just maybe a pointing to that your relationship with God could use some spark. It wasn't that he wanted adoration. me. No, he. I think he yeah. loved that a father loved his son, uh-huh. but he wanted me to love him more. Exactly. That's what he's saying here. Mm-hmm. In comparison to your, to your love, love for me. And that's the one thing I want to highlight that and then we're then we have nine things, everybody. Nine things that we're gonna go through. And I think that your beautiful observation. Thank you for the story, Phil and Diane, the observation of that doesn't mean you love your kids less. But I see we see this all the time with mm-hmm. good things. It's often with really good things it is. that these become idols. I see people that love 
like being like we're in church settings. I've played music for a lot of years. So I've seen so many people that fall in love with worship more mm-hmm. than with God. They mm-hmm. fall in love with the idea the of action. leading people into worship yes. more than what they're actually worshiping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And would we say worship's a great thing? Absolutely. Yeah. Would we say that making that your everything is a bad thing? Absolutely. And, yeah. be, and it becomes like a, a miss. And so it's always that check in in your heart. Um, and so anyway, I just wanted to highlight it's often with really good things. Yeah. Are you that, worshiping me or worshiping worship yeah, or that and, you get to lead worship? Yeah, right? yeah. Exactly. What, what were you going to say? Or I think sometimes it can be the, the love of or the deep desire to have peace mm-hmm. and to have peace in your mm-hmm. family relationships. So mm-hmm. you're willing to allow things to be unhealthy or to have peace at all costs. Like we're idolizing like everything peace being peaceful yeah, more than being willing mm-hmm. to have the hard conversations or to ha- allow things to be mm-hmm. awkward mm. because we really know this value that our family has feels like it's from the spirit and, and something that is worth disrupting peace over. Sure. Yeah. Remember sure. you've talked to me about the difference between being a peacemaker, yeah. which involves conflict and confrontation and yes, a lack of peace sometimes. All things I like to avoid. Um, and being a peacekeeper, yeah. which different. is, uh, I'll just do, I'll, I'll do whatever I have to do. Let's not Keep make a peace. fuss. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just be nice to each other. That is almost an idolatry, being yeah. a yeah. peacekeeper, because I don't want Sure. I don't want to get upset. Yeah. I don't want to have to deal or I with want people to view me in a certain way. Yes. Or so yes. I think those things can those things can become idols too. Yeah. Where we're willing to go to great lengths to mm-hmm. keep mm-hmm. a certain mm-hmm. perception or a certain even inner feeling. Yeah. So idols can be bad things, obviously. Sure. There are things that yeah. are destroying us that we're yeah. doing that are definitely sinful and against the scriptures, but then they can be good they things. They can be yeah. good things. But we yeah. put in the Just wrong out place. Of order. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And Jesus' example, which is, you know, back to the scripture we're talking to, is actually family. Yes. Which is, isn't that yes. so interesting? Which is Jesus a good family. thing, right? It's a yes. good thing. So, but at the same time, if you're in this space where you're finding this tension, which I think this is not a foreign concept to any that are no. even listening, um, I think you'll have an easy time relating. Um, how do we actually move towards these potentially awkward relationships Mm -hmm. and, or um, maybe you have a family member that you are, you know, it feels like they're your worst enemy Mm -hmm. or they're doing things that are really frustrating to you, but you maybe don't have the dialogue or the open relationship to talk about it. What can you do and what, and what is our responsibility to do? And so what we did was we came up with nine things and we're going to move through them pretty quickly. We're going to make a little, uh, you know, comment on each one or each one. But what I really want to do is actually give you these nine things, because honestly, I think in the whole of it, as we go through them, it gives you a lot of opportunity to learn something about yourself, but also to create this kind of to be a peacemaker, not just mm-hmm. a peacekeeper, mm-hmm. and hopefully to bring some health to your relationship with your mm-hmm. extended family mm-hmm. or even in your immediate family. So are we down to do these nine really quick? You are enjoying content brought to you by Intentional, a crowdfunded nonprofit that desires to help families and marriages all around the world in the area of discipleship and spiritual formation. This offering is completely free, thanks to the generosity of our growing community of Legacy Builders. Legacy Builders is a group of people from all around the world that give monthly to fuel this dream that we have in our hearts of seeing discipleship to Jesus in the family become a way of life. 
a monthly gift of $5, $10, or even $30 can continue to fuel this ministry forward. Our dream is to invite people like you to join and partner with us at a financial level and see this work integrated into families. So as you listen to this podcast, would you prayerfully consider joining us? Would you allow the Spirit to lead you, even if it's just to a few dollars a month? Thank you so much, and may the Spirit of Jesus give you wisdom, clarity, and joy as you pray about joining us. And if you want to join today, go to intentionalparents.org and click on Give. Okay, so the first thing, this is a very practical one, but so, so important, pray. Mm-hmm. We have mm-hmm. to pray. We have to yep. be people that ask God mm-hmm. that he would come in and actually assist and mm-hmm. actually be a part of it and actually help. Any thoughts on that really quick? Well, what was that saying that you kept on your desk for a long time that you we put in a frame? Have you prayed about it? Have you prayed about it? And uh, another one is talk. Well, yeah, have you prayed about it? But Dr. Mitchell, who was 89 at, when I was at Multnomah, he said, um, Talk to the one who can do something, something about it. Yes. <laughs> Talk that. to the yes. one who can do something. And you know, about it. I think this is where Diane is such a good example to me is prayer is not just talking, it's listening. Yeah. Yeah. And so as you listen, Very the much. Lord might say, you know, your parents aren't even believers. Yeah. And the scriptures say they're in the darkness right now. They they haven't been transferred into the kingdom of light. And mm-hmm. so that gives you a lens to which mm-hmm. to view them. You need to pray for their salvation and and, you know, not judge them if they don't even have Christ in their life, you know, yeah. or maybe it's something else. Maybe they're, they're dealing with wounds of their own, but yeah, pray and listen as you pray. Mm. And so God, God can do stuff. He does stuff and he opens their heart and your heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the first thing would be pray. And then secondly, this is very practical, but I think also a really, really foundational important thing is you have to have a conversation or mm-hmm. at least be open to the fact that this is going to take communication. Yeah. Um, you have to talk about it. You have to be a person who actually uh, sets the stage, makes the appointment, takes the call, says, hey, I need to talk to you about something. Or, And of course, you know, if you have any sort of family dynamic, you probably know each other. So if you say that, somebody's going to be like, well, what is, it, what is it about? I want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. If it was Elizabeth, she'd want to be like, just tell me about it right now. I can't just live in the suspense right for, the next, for the next five minutes. I can't do it. She got that from me. She's the most mm-hmm. curious. Oh. I can't. I have to like wait to tell her stuff when I know that I can actually give her an answer because I can't even like be like, Hey, I have this meeting, but I want to talk to you about this after the meeting really quick. Just remind me (laughs) when a person won't tell you what it's about. It's going to be negative. I mean, in so many years of ministry, when somebody said, I need a meeting with you, I need to talk to you. What's about, oh, well, it? I'll tell you then. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's always going to be bad. You're teaching and how bad I <laughs> thought it was. <laughs> yeah. So Wait, don't do that. Don't do no. that. Just do the meeting. But I think in a lot of these situations, well, maybe all of these situations, unless you have like a really healthy family and a really open family culture, but even then, having the conversation always requires some sort of risk Mm -hmm. because you can't control how the person is going to receive that conversation. Now, there's lots of tools you can use to not say things in a threatening way. I think we're going to talk about that, Mm -hmm. uh, about speaking the truth in love. But there's all sorts of ways you can approach the conversation that might create a better outcome. Mm -hmm. But you can't change an entire family culture by having one conversation. Mm -hmm. So we had a a really wise person help us see years ago that as much as in certain situations, we might want 
an open family culture or or just a really open dialogue. Unless mm-hmm. the parents have created that mm-hmm. as the family culture, the kids can't change it. Yeah. So if your family does not have an open family culture like ours does, like I'd say the Comer family does because you mm-hmm. guys created that. Yeah. You but if your stage. family doesn't have an open family culture like that and you try to go and have a hard conversation, it pretty much is never going to bear the fruit that you would maybe mm-hmm. logically think mm-hmm. that, that might not be a happy conversation. That's going to have. But I think we have to be willing to risk Mm-hmm. In order to have a conversation to try to be able to get to a place of openness and mm-hmm. peace, mm-hmm. but also knowing that our our response is our responsibility, but mm-hmm. so is the person on the other side of the conversation, mm-hmm. and we can't control how they're going to respond. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm you're sorry. laughing. I'm laughing because uh, because the example you're using is my life. Uh, and, 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 you know, and it's trying to speak in code. Yeah. Yeah. It's not code because I, no, I really tried this with my family. There's a handful of things I was like, I'd love to talk, like, let's sit down and talk about, I'm learning all this stuff about myself. And it's not that my, my family wasn't open to talk about things at all, but like family cultures are strong. And so if I take my, uh, new awareness of the things I'm learning in therapy and all these different (laughs) details, and I go and try to apply that to my family culture, which is established and set up. It, it didn't go the way that I had hoped. Now, it wasn't yeah. just met with like, we'll never talk to you, anything like that. But it was met with confusion and like, well, why yeah. would we do it that way? And I realized that I was trying to fit a mold onto my family, which would never actually work. So I had to mm-hmm. think about, okay, I would like to communicate it. If it was my family, this is how I would do it. But this isn't, this is the family I'm in as a, I'm a part of it. So I had to humble myself and and slow slow my roll a little bit and go, okay. I have to think about how can I actually talk to them mm-hmm. and how can mm-hmm. our family talk about this mm-hmm. in a way that is actually a part of our family culture. Yeah. So I had to think of a diff- couple different ways. And some of that, instead of sitting down in a circle, was like talking individually and then talking together later. The mm-hmm. other little dynamic to point out that would be important is uh, a few years ago, my dad passed away. And when that happens, my mom now, and we've had great conversations about this, but my mom now has the opportunity to go, do we keep all those same family structures? Do I keep those same lines of communication? Mm-hmm. Some she's kept and some she's been like, I don't actually think that works. Let's talk about different mm-hmm. stuff. But mm-hmm. it really does come down to the parents or the parent mm-hmm. to help really affect that family culture. And if you're a kid and you're just trying to say, I want to do this, we need to talk about it this way, and they're not responding, don't be surprised. That's not mm-hmm. how this works. You're not going to mm-hmm. be able to change your family culture like that. Mm-hmm. You can do that in your family, but it doesn't always work to change it so yeah Yeah. anyway just a quick point if you're frustrated it's not actually working for you yeah Mm -hmm. good point third thing are we ready to move on Mm -hmm. third thing treat them with honor this is a big one treat them with honor yeah yeah that means i think um with using respectful language more than mm. anything else. And then I think sometimes it means saying something good first or or just surrounding something <laughs> with what you love about them, you know? Yeah. Um, so I tell my, is this when I tell my story? I think, I think you should, well, yeah, because I think, I think you have to, yeah, let's do it there. This is a great okay. spot to do that. So I um, grew up in a home that did not have a, an open communication like this. They tried, they tried to talk to us. We we're very connected in some ways. Um, but we were always having to be very careful not to um, step on my mom's woundedness, let's put it that way. So mm. it was very much um, became what can, some people call a narcissistic family culture where where you're kind of needing to catering to somebody 
who has special considerations so that we don't, Mm -hmm. you know, blow up. And, um, but my dad was always just the rock, just loving, consistent rock. But I also grew up in an era where, where the main discipline in America was, um, yelling at your kids or um, speaking harshly or with great intensity. And when Phil and I got married and we were looking at the way we wanted to raise our kids and our firstborn came along, we decided that yelling was was not going to be part of our tools of discipline. And um, so we had talked to my parents about this and, you know, they kind of looked at us a little cross-eyed like, you know, are you criticizing us? But there was not an open family culture, so we couldn't really say anything. So one day I was over at their house and having a great conversation with my mom and John Mark, who was a toddler, went around the corner and my dad had made this nice little sandbox for him. And as can be expected, he started scooping up the sand and dumping it on the sidewalk because, you know, that's what boys do. Because he's two years old. Playing with he's his matchbox cars. Yes. exactly what a two-year-old does. Yeah. And for whatever reason, my dad hardly ever blew his top, but he went around the corner and saw it and just started to blow. So I jumped up from my chair and I went to see what was going on and I saw my son cowering mm. and because we didn't use, that wasn't our go-to. I'm not going to say I never yelled at my kids. Please don't misunderstand it. But it wasn't our... <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't actually, normal. we yeah. didn't believe it was the right thing to do. So when we did blow our top, it was, you know, unusual. So, and I froze feeling like a little girl again, being, you know, lambasted. Yeah. And then I suddenly realized, oh my gosh, I'm the mom here. I have to, I'm not going to let this continue. So I stopped him and said, dad, we, we don't yell at our kids. Um, this is not okay. And then he was still focused on the behavior that he thought was misbehavior. I said, no, you just tell me and let me deal with John Mark, please, that we've talked about this. And he just got mad um, mm. and decided, you know, not, not yelling at me mad, just stubborn mad and said, well, at my house, this is the way we do things. Oh, and oh, this no. is my dad. I revered my dad. He was <laughs> he he knew me. He understood me. He was like my dad. Okay, maybe a little in the idol, my dad. And um, I wanted disapproval. Always wanted disapproval. But I I was looking at my son trembling there. So I said, "But dad, we talked about this. If you have a problem with." one of my kids, you need to come and tell me and let me be the disciplinarian in that instance. And he said again, no. So I said, okay, dad, well, then I can't bring him over. I I can't come to your house if you can't comply with that. And he said something like, well, that's the way it is. So I said, okay, dad, I'm going to go home right now. And, but I'm not coming back with my kids until you agree to what we do, what we've said. And love is just this most dreadful feeling, you know, just of course you did. horrible feeling yeah. of terrible. what have I done? So I went home, talked to Phil about it. He completely agreed with me, kind of freed me from feeling guilty. This is on your dad. He has to make a decision. 
And 10 days went by. (laughs) I didn't hear from my dad for 10 days. And I'm just feeling worse and worse. At the same time, more and more determined. No, this is the right thing. I'm not going to let my son be subject to. He also adored his papa. Mm. I'm not going to let him be subject to. My dad wasn't mad about the sand. It was, you know, he could have come and told me to sweep it up. It was something else. And uh, finally, he got on the phone, called me up and said, well, I don't agree with you, but I want to see my grandson. And so I'll agree to what you said. Because during that whole 10 days, your mom was saying, you need to call Diane, right? Exactly. I'm sure she was (laughs) after him constantly. And it was hard to wait. It was hard not to come back and backtrack. But, But I also think that maybe I grew up with some wounds. I was a highly sensitive little girl and being yelled at for a person who feels shame very easily yeah. um, is is not a great method of, no, yeah. no. of I agree. discipline. So, um, but he did and he complied. And I mean, we never, he, we never really had another incident. I mean, it was mm. a rare thing for my dad to get that mad anyway, but I tell you that story because I think some of you need the courage mm. to stand up for for godly things. Now, remember that this is to free you for God, but it's also, um, Phil used the word allegiance. Yeah. Is this a matter of allegiance? In my case, I be- believed that my allegiance to Christ and to showing the next generation the way to Christ required that I protect him from being yelled at and shamed by his grandpa yeah, because he was mad, not because he'd done something so bad. So I believed it was a matter of allegiance that I, my first allegiance is to Christ. And then my allegiance is more to my son, even than my dad Mm -hmm. um, in that case. And in our case, my dad walked with God. He, he came around and you don't always get a happy ending to those no, stories. No, no. I wish that there, there had been a day where he would have said, you know, I, I just really value the way you're raising your kids. That never happened. That never happened. But, but I think it's very threatening to, to our parents when we correct, when we say, this hurt me. Um, mm-hmm. I wish you hadn't done that. Mm-hmm. Some parents can take it and some are, are not at that place of emotional maturity in their life. Can I just say, though, it... Uh, you did a great job of honoring him. You didn't, you know, you didn't lambast him. You know, no. the, the thing we're talking about here is treating with the no. treating him with honor. You you didn't say, "Dad, you're terrible," and no. you hurt me in these ways. But like, no. you drew a very healthy, very loving line, which I would say. I mean, anybody else can disagree, but it sounds like very much there was honor in that. And I think you're right. You need th- that's okay. You can still honor your parents you by and even draw healthy boundaries. And even say that actually doesn't work for our family. Yeah. yeah. And if yeah. they don't change, yeah. that means you have to change. Yeah. And of course, yeah. you invite them in, you don't push them out. But I think yeah. it's a really powerful story. Yeah. Honor your father and your mother. I mean, it's one of the Ten Commandments. Yes. And in yes. Ephesians 6, it said it's the one commandment with a promise attached to it. That it um, may go well. And with that, that things will go well with you and you may live long in the earth. And what Diane really did was what you do with someone who's in authority over you is you appeal to them. Hmm. You don't rebuke them. So she yeah. appealed to her father. And you know, we all wish that said, honor your father and mother if they deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not in there. <laughs> or, But I also don't know that my dad necessarily felt honored in that moment. No. You know, his yeah. own combination of things may have made him feel 
dishonored. So, so that's another point to make is I have to be free, um, have a clear conscience that I have honored my father. And if he doesn't receive it as honor, I can't really control that. There's too many other factors. Because honor doesn't mean obey. No. You didn't say, okay, dad, these are the rules at your house. So I guess this is just how it will be. No, you said. Good point. Yeah. No, but this is my son, and yeah. these are that's your responsibility. You know, yeah, right. Yeah, he was yeah. my responsibility. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's a. I love that story to attach to that point, and it goes with the next one, which I think they're actually kind of tied together. We made them two, but I think they could even be one. Which is, mm-hmm. let your words be full of grace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when you decide to just lambast your parent or your family member or tell them off. Yeah. It is only wounding and hurting you. It's them, but it's also hurting you. It just makes a mess of things. It does. And so to be a gracious person, even though they might not deserve it or they did this to me, like that is never a strong way to build or mend relationships. You will always damage. You will always cause problems. Mm -hmm. So let your words be full of grace. Phil, are you looking for a verse on this one? Well, you're just quoting a verse. I just thought I'd say what verse you're quoting. Yes. It's Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech always be with grace. Yes. Seasoned as it were with salt. Salt's a seasoning so that you may know how you should respond to each person. That's Colossians 4, 6. And, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Proverbs 15, I just read a couple days ago, a gentle Mm -hmm. answer Mm -hmm. turns Mm -hmm. away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger, Mm -hmm. and a soothing tongue is a tree of life. Mm -hmm. But perversion in it crushes the spirit. So God wants us, I mean, to speak graciously even in conflict. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is our example. We we blow it. I blow it. You know, I mean, I have to ask Diane forgiveness many times when I'm just harsh or rude or brusque. But you have to ask her. There's a word, brusque. Brusque. You know? (laughs) But you (laughs) have to ask the right way or she Mm -hmm. won't forgive you, which is another episode where we're going to talk about. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That'll be a fun one. (laughs) (laughs) You have to ask nicely. But uh, uh, anyway, so speaking speaking that way is very important. Got it. Luke 4.22, people marveled at the gracious words that fell from Jesus' lips. So he's our example. May that be us. The fifth thing, is this a hill you want to die on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that phrase. I don't know where I heard it first, I but I love, love it. it. And honey, what did you say? You you made this quick passing comment. I tried to write it all down, but I didn't. But I think you should say it again. Yeah, well, I think, you know, that's basically saying, is this something that is of great importance or yeah. is this something mm-hmm. I need to let roll off is my back? Is it an irritant or yes. is it like yes. a, a real crossing a boundary? And the, the peacekeepers of you need to like think hard about that because sometimes we can be like, it's not that big of a deal just because yeah. we want to keep the peace. Uh-huh. But I think honestly asking, is this just something that irritates me because mm-hmm. it brings something up in me or, mm-hmm. or is this something that is like really actually affecting my kids or yeah. my family and I need to, to have the yeah. courage to speak up. Yeah. But then I think with that, we have to ask the question, if, if it's something we're kind of landing on, we need to just leave it alone. We don't need to bring it up. You have to ask yourself, can I absorb it without resentment? That's right. That's the phrase. And I'm like the queen of resentment. So I'm having to constantly ask myself this. Is this something that I truly can absorb? Like Mm -hmm. I just got this picture of like a sponge. Like a sponge can can hold quite a bit of Mm -hmm. water and Mm -hmm. then dry out. But the minute there's too much water and Mm -hmm. it's like fully saturated, it just starts to leak. Mm-hmm. And you pick it up and yeah. it's heavy and water just drips down versus mm-hmm. like when it's absorbing and it's holding mm-hmm. the water or the tension and it eventually can just dry up and go away and the sponge Great goes back down to normal picture. size. 
So I think we have to be aware of when we start to feel just constant tension building in our families, we have to start asking ourselves, like, have I absorbed and absorbed and absorbed, but I'm actually harboring a ton of resentment and there's Mm -hmm. stuff I need to speak up? Or is this something that now I just really need to absorb? I need to like ask God to just give me grace and this Mm -hmm. is not actually a hill I need to die on. Yeah. I I think there's so many countless examples. I know someone sent in a question. Uh, I want to mention this because I thought you had a great response. They sent the simple question in of, and we haven't responded yet, so this will be our response, <laughs> but I haven't had a chance to, but it was the question of uh, the story of uh, her dad's a nurse and he went to the bathroom, didn't wash his hands, and then is playing with the kids and it was driving her crazy. Just, you know, obviously germs are a thing and, you know, and that was just for her, at least from what she was saying over email was, that's just drive my, driving me crazy. How do I talk to him? Well, I'd say, first of all, use these nine things that we're going to give you uh, as an example, as a platform, but also really ask yourself the question, do you want to die on that hill? Is yeah. that going to be the yeah. thing that you want to cause tension in your relationship? Mm-hmm. Or is it something that you can absorb and just put yeah. hand sanitizer everywhere? I don't know. And just yeah. use it in front <laughs> yeah. of him all the time. You know, Or you just to, say, hey, dad, don't forget to wash your hands, yeah. please. Yeah, or yeah. something like that, right? Like there's, yeah. there's these ways because if you go into something like that, it becomes a big deal. If you yeah. make it a big deal. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you say like, deal. dad, you're a nurse, you should know better. But if you say, I just am really struggling with germs and my kids, dad, do you mind washing your hands? Yeah. yeah. Like that's, that's, that's so much less combative example. than yeah. you should know better, dad. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And, and of course that wasn't And her here he's heart, playing but. with your kids. I mean, I bet there's a bunch of people listening saying my dad doesn't give my I kids wish the my time dad day. would play with our kids. Yeah. 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 You it's know, First Peter 4, 8, love overlooks a fault. There's a time to just you know Absorb. instead of being a what we used to call a sin sniffer you know like <laughs> I, I see every single thing you're yeah. doing wrong yeah. and i'm gonna tell you about it I'm there's you. a time to just forgive and just say you know phil's hungry and he's yeah he, he's, every, he needs mm-hmm. some food he's kind of edgy i, yeah. I just i can't I or there's help. a time he needs to be rebuked <laughs> But I think the sponge will stick in your head. That's is your sponge so full that you're going to be leaking? And one of the ways to know that is if you're telling everybody around you how much that thing bothers you. Yeah. And that's so not the way we want to treat our parents. That's so dishonoring. If we are saying a bunch of stuff behind their backs that we've not bothered to bring to them. So mm-hmm. just as yes. a parent, I would appeal to you, let that be a... Um, indication that you need to talk about it i yeah. love that um don't go around leaking <laughs> it's making me think of this funny old hymn i'm sorry there's this a, a pastor friend of mine i never forgot this because i didn't know the hymn is an old hymn about the the paralytic who's healed and the bible says he was walking and leaping yes. and he said he was a kid he thought it was leaking so he was going singing walking and leaking and praising god <laughs> Walking and leaking is great. It's walking. So, I can't. I just need. That's to pause. such a good illustration. I, I love. I need to pause the pot. This serious conversation for a second to say. I think every month that goes by, you are getting funnier. I think so too. You are like a fine wine, and you're just funnier and funnier. I don't know what's going on. I love it. I want you to keep doing it. I just. It's all of his kids who did not follow you know in his it, ways. You know what it is? It's because every day we're around your kids now. They yeah. don't live three hours away. No, they it's live three but, minutes. It's the sun. The sun is back. <laughs> George Harrison, here comes the sun. Seriously, that you would say that over the podcast. I love it. What? Say what? I love it. Say what over the Walking and leaking. It's <laughs> well, a great story. It just so made me a little, think about it. A little it. backstory. Elizabeth Dad, brought it up. 
I would now I can say dad used to take everything 110% literal. Yeah. So if you made a joke that was very obviously a joke, he'd be like, but are you serious? <laughs> that's, <laughs> and then, that's and then God gave him yeah. Brooke as a son-in-law. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll and now you're funny, dad. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we do th- have to keep things a little bit lighthearted. We can't take ourselves too seriously. Yes. And I think none of us do, but yes, we'll help with that. So if you're enjoying this content and you want to go deeper, we have an amazing resource that we want to tell you about. It's the intentional film series, Raising Passionate Jesus Followers. Now, this is an incredible tool for you for spiritual formation in the family. And we created this film series to help parents in their God-given task to raise and disciple their own children. Now, our hope is that we're able to help you and give you some of the tools that I know we so desperately need as we're in the process of raising our kids and Phil and Diane have actually raised their kids. This is a nine session film series on the process of what raising a passionate Jesus follower actually looks like. There's some workable solutions in here. There's a bunch of wisdom from the scriptures and there's a bunch of practical help in your journey as you are raising your children. We cover all sorts of things like parental roles, goals versus values. What is discipline versus punishment? How do I create a heart of obedience in my child where they actually want to obey? What is a heart of self-control look like? Or how do I even help my child in the process of character development? We cover that and so many more things. You can use this film series in a variety of ways. You can use it at your home, preferably with your spouse if that's applicable, with a group of friends or in your community, or even through your local church. All you need to do is head over to our website, intentionalparents.org, click on film series, and then follow the prompts. We have a bunch of other resources there that you can check out, but we do pray that this blesses you in your pursuit of raising passionate Jesus followers. A couple things. So uh, is this a hill you want to die on? Number six, share the truth in love. Um, That's similar Mm -hmm. to be gracious, let your words be full of Mm -hmm. grace, but share the truth, be honest about the truth. Uh, what it is, but do it in love. Do it in a way that is that somebody can ingest, in a way that's kind and assuming their goodwill. I think that's mm-hmm. always yes, important. That's it. That they didn't that's do it. this on purpose, or or maybe they, maybe they yeah. uh, don't even know. And one thing I would just kind of say, I know that something that's been very helpful for me is have compassion for what their story, their upbringing, yeah. Yeah. and their situation was. Yeah. The moment I can look at my family of origins, family, their families, and their past and their situations, the moment. For me, I just go, oh my gosh, they did so well. Mm-hmm. There was so yes. much, so many things that they had to just conquer to get to just a regulated point. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't, you know, so that gives us just so much compassion. So before you go in hot and and uh, angry, I think it's important. But just one phrase here. Don't go into a conversation and say, I love you, but, but oh, yeah. yes. please let let your whole yes. countenance be so warm and compassionate and loving that they know that they're loved in that yes. moment. Because you're I think we've script- all had people say that to us and lambast us. Yes. And um, that's kind of a traumatic mm. Oh, it's huge. Yes. It's huge. You're uh, you're. Quoting scripture again. You're just a scripture machine today. <laughs> Speak the truth in love. Just that's that's Ephesians four fifteen. Yeah. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up, <laughs> grow up, yeah, in all aspects un- into Him who is the head, even Christ. And is uh, an Old Testament verse in Zechariah eight sixteen. These are the things which you should do. Speak the truth with one another. 
Yes. Judge with truth and judgment for peace in your gates. Oh, I can't remember who said it, but someone yeah. just said recently, if you want an exciting adventure, start telling the truth all the time. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. I was like, well, wow. I mean, not, not in a rude yeah. way, but like, yeah. just start telling the truth. Yeah. Be yeah. honest yeah. fully. Yeah. It's like, that's a I really remember a teaching once where somebody who was a Greek scholar said that in the actual original, it's speak, speak. Uh, so the same word. Yep. One after the other. And that was a, a Greek way of just really making this a strong emphasis. Yes. Like speak, speak the truth yes. in love. And wow. it's it's also truthing in love. Truthing is in and love. speak, speak, okay. yes. It's 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 a oh, way like it's, it's a way of walking. It, yes. it's a way of living. Yes. Because yeah. Jesus was full of grace and truth. Yeah. So he was yes. always truth yeah. and always, always grace. Love. And I love that. So share the number. That was number six. Share the truth in love. Number seven, keep short accounts. Mm -hmm. I love this phrase, Mm -hmm. Phil. You said this one. I really like this one. Keep short accounts. That same idea. That's scripture too. Cover a multi, you know. uh, That's first Peter, but, but, but keeping short accounts is do not take into account a wrong suffered as New American Standard. That's kind of hard to understand that translation. First Corinthians 13, five, God's description oh, of yeah, love. Yeah, love. Yeah. It love keeps no record of wrongs is yeah, a better translation. Good. It's not like, okay, mm-hmm. that's number eight. Yeah. yeah. That's mm-hmm. the ninth time I asked you to do that. And when I get to 12, you are dead. That's <laughs> I'm good. Stay. Yeah. That's very so good. So it's, uh, I think that's what this really means is, yes. is mm-hmm. I think that's the See. living Bible that says mm-hmm. keep no record of wrongs. I don't know. What does yours say? Uh, New Living says it keeps no record of when it has been wrong. Yeah, see, mm. you know, you That's don't, so you don't. Good. It's an accounting term, like an account, yeah. debits yeah. and credits. Yeah. Okay, ah, like, I'm debiting your I sin right it. there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's such a good. It says remi- don't love really. doesn't do that. Mm. So yeah. you know, when we do that, we're not we're not being loving. Oh, I so I yeah. yes, I've experienced yeah. that, and I and yeah. it just is disastrous. Mm-hmm. So keep short accounts. Uh, number eight. And by the way, keep short accounts does mean don't don't fast don't let something fester. Yeah. That, the other way is don't let the sun go down your anger, but deal with That's it. Good. But there's, you know, don't don't keep an account of it. Yeah. That's good. Number eight would be uh, seek counsel. And I think that's Ooh. a really important one yeah. because Ooh. you need to check in to make sure that the thing that you're so frustrated about is, is made, yes. is it just you? Is it your own disposition? Is it mm-hmm. your truth? Which I think mm-hmm. you have to be very careful of mm-hmm. and just deciding that if it's your truth, that's absolute truth, which means then you can use that against somebody in a way that is painful or hurtful. Mm-hmm. So you have mm-hmm. to be really careful. And I'd say, ask people that know you, people that you can trust and people that will be honest. I was yeah. just talking with Jerry Sitzer the other day and he said, Brooke, you have to have people around you that are going to always call you down. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, <laughs> people that are going to tell you the truth about who you really are, mm-hmm. and they're not going to be impressed by any of the things yeah. that you do. Yeah. They're going to be honest with you. And yeah. I love that. I received that. Yes, Jerry, I receive mm-hmm. it. Um, and it is so good to have people that will call you down yeah. and, and, and not in a demeaning way, just no. people that are going to look at you and love you enough to tell you the truth yeah. and love. I'll say things like, are you sure you're just not annoyed? Or is yes. this something from your past that it's, you You often say, Elizabeth, talking about triggering something. Just that bringing you up maybe, something for you. You maybe haven't yeah. dealt with yet. Um, it's not really on the situation. It's really about how you're responding to the situation. Yeah. yeah. So yes. seeking counsel is just huge. My mentor well, used yeah, to biblical. use the word beguiled. Are you sure you're not being beguiled? Yes. In other words, you're kind of... Um, looking at and something that somebody said and taking it super personally when they had absolutely no intention of yeah. being personal about it. So. Yeah, I have to do this with 
with Brooke a lot of the time is I'll have to say, okay, I know that I'm really triggered by this. So I might be over responding. Yes. This might be bothering it's me like more humility. than it needs to. So I'll run the situation by him. Say, yeah. I thought you were using me should as this a be, negative no, example. No, no, no. Should this I, be bothering me as much as it them. is? Yes. You know, I but I would too. also say that if you have a really complicated family, if mm-hmm. there's addictions, if there's yeah. trauma, if it's been, a, if it was a chaotic upbringing, if you can get help from a Do therapist, it. if you're just confused and I don't know how to have these conversations or that can be so helpful it's been instrumental. because instead you can sometimes feel like you're a little bit crazy and you thought yeah. you did it the right way and it didn't go how you, how you had envisioned that it would. And sometimes somebody just able to explain the family dynamics to you. Yes. Um, can be really helpful in the messy situations. Yeah. And I, I was just going to say, I want you to share that verse that yeah. just on that point is, and I think this is important is uh, if you have a healthy marriage, I mean, one of, I think one of the best people mm-hmm. to ask is your spouse. Yeah. And again, one of, one of the things mm-hmm. Jerry did say that was important is he's like, I've never had a wife that's been impressed with me. And I think <laughs> I can say, Jerry, I actually agree. I've never had a wife that's been so impressed with me that she wouldn't be able to tell me the truth. Yeah. And I actually think that's a very, he wasn't saying that as a negative thing. He was no. saying it as a great thing that mm-hmm. she loves you enough to be honest with you mm-hmm. and can see the good and also the bad and mm-hmm. say yeah. the, the kind thing of like, <laughs> yeah. are you sure you're, I think you might be overreacting about this. Now that's yeah. hard to hear. But I also think that's the one of the most helpful things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I had somebody the other night, I won't tell you the story, just saying all these nice things to me. Like I was just this wonderful person. And I said, well, if, <laughs> thank you. But if you want to know, you know, I'm not always like that. Go talk to Diane. Right? <laughs> they know you. Sure, uh, this thing sure. about seeking counsel, of course, it's all over the Bible. But um, just two verses in Proverbs, Proverbs 15, 22, without consultation, plans are frustrated. But with many counselors, they succeed. So if you're making a plan to go talk to your parents about a sticky situation to um, to to seek some advice is good. And uh, Proverbs 24, 6, for by wise guidance, you will wage war. <laughs> and in abundance of counselors, there's victory. Mm-hmm. So like I remember we were doing a, uh, our parenting conference in um, in a city once. I, I won't say the city, uh, but uh, we we finished and it was a really good conference. There was this couple waiting around. She had a brand new baby in this, one of these slings and the husband standing there, she looked exhausted. Like mm-hmm. she just had a baby, you know, a month ago Yeah, and she was crying and she wanted advice from us because her parents had just retired in another city and were mm-hmm. guilt tripping them. You need to, you need to quit your job and you need to move because we want to be around our new grandchild and we mm. just retired. So come down here. Mm. And she oh, was saying, what no. do I do with that? So oh. she needed to talk to her parents instead of the parents should have been saying, honey, uh, we're going to do everything we can to get up there and help you. You know, how long do you want us mm. there? You know, they should have been changing their life to come yeah. help their daughter. What you know, but instead they were like, you know, just quit your job and come down yeah. here, you know? So she sought counsel. And I remember, you know, I don't remember what, what all we said to her, but, but that's yeah. what we're talking about here. I, There's a time to talk to somebody that mm-hmm. might be able to help. Well, I think, sorry to cut you off. I was going to just say that the, the Bible says, let another man praise you, not your own lips. I think you and Diane, you guys have done an incredible job at this. I mean, mm-hmm. I think, seriously, I mean, we, I, I don't know of any other couple that I talk to that's a friend that has a situation that we have where you guys so much uh, embody with your life what you mm-hmm. say you value with the, with the kids mm-hmm. and with your family. But I... 
so we're we're spoiled, but we also <laughs> recognize that what you just said is almost painfully common. Um, yeah. That it's now my mm-hmm. time to give uh, or my time to take. It's my time mm-hmm. to be poured into. I've been giving out, and I mean, unfortunately, it's and it's the truth. We just don't see that anywhere over Scripture. It's not mm-hmm. like there's this line in your life where you stop becoming a loving, generous, full mm-hmm. human. Uh, and now it's my time to take. I it's know not your like kids you're entitled. Owe you. Yeah, no it's not way. like you're entitled no to this yeah. now. So anyway, well, well let me compliment you because <laughs> you don't need to compliment this. You. We're talking about how to how we should deal with our parents or our, our grandparents, but sure. we need to teach our kids how to do this. I mm-hmm. mean, intentional parents is the parenting ministry. So yeah. this morning, I I took your kids to school because you, so you could have a little extra time because you're leading our podcast, and so I didn't know that you talked to Scarlett, but Scarlett, oh, who's yes. ten has not in she's not liking that I'm still cuz I'm goofy I come up with goofy names for everybody sure. and everything right so I've been calling her Scarface <laughs> since she was really little but unbeknownst to me she's 10 and now wait and she, a minute just a minute. your wife has been mourning you for <laughs> this years is true. that that is probably yeah. a nickname that is going to yeah. die yeah you boring. teach that when you when your kids are teenagers sarcasm doesn't always work yeah. it wasn't sarcasm it was just an endearing, endearing name yeah, endearing. like i yeah, used to call duke dookie but when duke was really little i called him dookie but then he got big enough i don't want to be called dookie you know, Duker is okay, but not Dukey. But anyway, I had no idea that Scarface, I just say, Scarface, well, was bugging her. Yeah. And yeah. so we get to the school, and before she's out of the car, she goes, Pops, would you be okay with not calling me Scarface? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, absolutely, you know, and I just Sorry. said, I, I didn't know that you didn't like that. And, you know, I might slip a couple times, but no problem. But yeah. then I found out that she'd come to you about it and yep. you yep. coached her how to do it. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Well, and, and said, your pops loves you so yeah. much. It's an yeah. endearing name. Totally. He gives everybody a nickname who <laughs> <Yeah>. he loves. <laughs> sure. It's just how he is. But he would want to know. If that's embarrassing you, because she was saying he says it in front of my friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so we said we, yeah, we coached her word for word. This is how you say it, yeah. pops. I know you love so me so much. So good job. So oh, it was just thanks. so simple because yeah. you coached her, and, and I, she had the courage to do it because you didn't step in and say, "Oh, by the way, pop, you know, Dad, mm-hmm. yeah. please don't call her Scarface anymore." We, we it's pushed her to her. do it for sure. So much better. Yeah. Well than done. At ten years Thank old, you. she can do what absolutely terrified me as a young woman. You know. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's... Well, you have to also remember, like we were telling her, it was like, listen, Pops is probably not going to pick up on this for a very long time no. if this bothers you because <laughs> no. Pops Pops is both like, but he's also one of the most humble people. So I told her, I was like, Pops is one of the most humble people I know. If you tell him that this is like bothering you, right. and of course, it's not his job to pick it up. It's your job yeah. to tell him. But if he's one of the most humble people, he'll go, Scar, I didn't even know. No problem. And he'll find a new nickname. I have a whole bunch of them already. Scarlotti, Scarry, whatever. You know, it's, like, it's not like I. I call her Letty. That's I, what happens. I, have, well, I, I don't do that one because that's yours. But yeah. I have my own, you know, pot sure, of sure. names over here. We're trying to convince her she's such a musician. I'm like, someday when you're really famous, your no. name should just be Letty. <laughs> she thinks really I'm famous. weird and not cool. Yeah, but. I I, we're, we're not encouraging fame in no. our children by no. any means. I mean, like, yes, you know what I mean. Yes, if she she did something like that, yeah. Well, seek counsel, that's that's number eight. And then number nine, and then we'll leave you today, is recognize that it is up to them. Meaning you can do all of this work and you can pray Mm -hmm. and you can seek counsel and you can share the truth and love and you can decide that wasn't the hill I wanted to die on. It's this one. I want to die on this hill. (laughs) And, And you can have the conversation and honestly, you still have to hold room for the fact that they may not want to enter into that. 
And, um, and, and honestly, I I know I've experienced both where it was certain topics I've been able to talk with my family about all sorts of things and other topics I could just never, can't get Uh -uh. past, you know, first base or can't get past the first conversation. And I think there's just certain things where, and Elizabeth, I think you said this great is there's certain things that we do have to accept. There's certain things that this side of heaven are going to be really messed up. Mm -hmm. And for some, you're going to be like, I really wish my mom, you know, like I, there, I'm thinking of a gal who's uh, Australian, you know, who you are. You you asked a question about having boundaries with your mom who has borderline personality disorder. Um, Like, how do we have boundaries with that? Well, part of it is being able to accept the fact that she might not be able to accept your terms. Mm -hmm. And that means the relationship that you hoped for with your mom might look very different. You're you're not saying that you can accept them treating you wrongly or you can accept um, what they're doing, that it may be that you do have to withdraw. Except the loss. Except the fact that that your relationship might not be the the hoped for ideal that you have. You know, you might be listening to this and, and you're not going to get past these nine things. You're not going to get past the first one because you're going to pray and the Lord's going to say, now's not the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's later wisdom. or they're not ready. It's you good know, there's yeah. a time to pray and wait. It's good wisdom. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we're wounded in relationships, but we also heal in relationships. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we're, we're often wounded by the people that are the closest to us, our families. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those relationships can experience beautiful healing and redemption. Mm-hmm. And really often they can't because of this last point that we've done what 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 oh, we know to, to do, but the other person is just not there. Mm-hmm. But I think the beautiful gift we have as being a body of believers, you know, assuming you're living in community and you have other believers around mm-hmm. you, is that God can use those people to mm-hmm. fill the relational holes yes. that in yeah. the garden would have been filled by your closest family. Mm-hmm. But this side of heaven, so often those are, are gaping holes, mm-hmm. but God can use people in our lives to fill them. Obviously he uses himself, but so often he restores us mm-hmm. through relationship. Yeah. And I think, you know, in seasons of like deep suffering that our family's gone through, I remember there was a time after going through a few really hard things and seeing this pattern where People were amazing in the beginning and they rally around you. And it's just an incredible experience to to experience the community of believers like that. But naturally over time, some of that fades and there's a loneliness that happens. And it's it's a pattern that now I've been able to experience a few times and that you have to fight resentment in that loneliness of feeling like, gosh, this is, I needed that group of people around me. To stay there but, with you, stay yeah, with you in it. Yeah. But a practice that was so helpful to me, even just like six months ago, was when I was feeling that, feeling resentment rise. And I felt like the spirit just invited me to take a step back. And, and actually look, but who has been present with mm-hmm. you? Is it actually true that you're alone? Mm-hmm. Is it actually true that you don't have a mother figure in your life or whatever the question needs to be for you? Mm-hmm. And the spirit just so quickly revealed to me, I have had people mm-hmm. who are still in this with me. I've had my family. Mm-hmm. The people who are the closest to me are still incredibly present. It was like mm-hmm. my family and a, few, a handful of other people. Yeah. And I had to take a minute and say, no, it's, it's a lie that I've been alone yeah. in this and that people have not done what they quote unquote should do. That's, that's actually a lie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Maybe I'm lonely for friendship and I need to ask God for that. Mm. But the truth is 
he has had the the people in my life that I actually needed. And so I think it can be pretty easy to say, I don't have the mom or dad I want. Mm. But maybe take a, take a minute and look, but who has God mm. brought into your life yeah. to heal some of those relationships? Yeah. And you still have to grieve the fact that there's brokenness because yeah. God's design was for that to be your actual mother and your actual yeah. father. What's mm. that verse? It's reminding me of that verse, and we don't need to read it, but just to, to that that paraphrase where, whoever whoever does give up mother and father and all this yeah, and this yes. time will gain that now and in the life to yeah, come so yes. we hear this verse which is like sometimes family can be the hardest and and if you're not willing to follow me but those who give these things up look at how he replaces them right mm-hmm. and i think that's a that's exactly what i hear you saying yeah. is that mm-hmm. sometimes it's the ideal would be your your biological family the ideal would be your actual sibling siblings your actual mom but sometimes that's not possible mm-hmm. and here's the cool thing we get to be that in other people's lives yes. yes. i'm thinking yeah. of a community group that i've been part of and one of the women my age is so obviously playing this role in another young woman's life who doesn't have this naturally from her family. And I'm just watching from afar the attention she's giving, the affirmation, the understanding, all the motherly maternal stuff. Yep. And just thanking God because he, he is bringing that as a gift to her and it's a gift to both of them. And she's done the same thing with her daughter-in-law which has created yes. just this beautiful security, beautiful. this beautiful relationship yes. that they have. Yeah. yeah. Phil, close this out. I just like to close with the scripture because I just read it in Mark 3 today. I just started Gospel of Mark. You know, when Jesus is teaching and they go, your mother and brothers are outside. Yes. And mm-hmm. then I've, I've heard people preach on this like, almost like saying they're not important. It's the yeah. family of God. Not at all. It's like I, I, my, my, my sense is Jesus probably when he was done, went outside and said, hi, mm-hmm. mom. Because, you know, the last thing he did on the cross was take care of his mother, right? Yeah. When he said, behold your mother. But his answer when he said, your mother, your your, your mom and your brothers are out there, he said, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about those who were sitting around, he said, behold, my mother and my brothers, whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. So he's saying the family of God is a family. Mm-hmm. And um and and I think if you have your physical father and mother, that's a mm-hmm. gift from God to be thankful for that are loving you properly mm-hmm. and in yes. the, in right relationship. But Elizabeth, what you said is so true. We need to realize that that and even if you do have great parents, they're they're still becoming like Jesus too. They've yeah, got sure. faults too. Oh, man. And other yeah. people are going to minister to you in a way that even they can't. So yeah. yes. that's what the yeah. family of God's for, right there. Mark chapter 3, 33, 34, 35. Remember these nine things. We'll have these in the show notes. And yeah, this is something that we're all processing through. And Phil and Diane, Elizabeth, thank you for all your contributing thoughts and wisdom. It's a fun conversation today. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If this podcast has blessed you in any way, here's a few ways that you can partner with us in this ministry. First is to give. Intentional Parents is a nonprofit and we rely on the generous giving of our partners. So please head over to our website, intentionalparents.org slash give if you would like to become one of our partners through giving. Second is to share it. If this has at all been helpful to you, we encourage you to share it with your friends, your family, and those that you know would be blessed by it. Third is to follow us on social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at intentional underscore parents. And lastly, if you would head over to iTunes, if you enjoyed today's episode and leave a review on iTunes, this helps us bring more hope, help, and healing for families.